0: That actual one is the actual original pencil drawn by Gary Larson. It's signed with apology.
1: Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast, Here's your host,
2: Scott Cowan.
1: So welcome back to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. I'm sitting here today in Potosa Accordions showroom, surrounded by one or two hundred accordions. Guys, can you introduce yourselves, go around the quote-unquote table, tell the audience who you are, and then we'll go from there.
0: Uh, My name is Joe Potosa. I'm a junior. Um,
1: When you say that, I think... (laughs)
0: yeah so my father was senior my son is the third so so
1: so family is this
0: is this the third
3: generation in the uh, business now
0: this i'm third generation and my son would be fourth generation
3: hi i'm gabe hall rodriguez and i'm a an accordionist oh i'm an accordionist and uh accordion repairman
1: yeah yeah uh, what's the Maytag repairment? Do you have do you have the little
2: suit like that?
3: Absolutely, Yeah, okay. It's a onesie. Yeah, a onesie,
2: <laughs> <laughs> custom nice onesie. Uh, I'm Joey Pitosa III. Um, I'm fourth generation here in this family business. Joey, how long have you been working in the business? Uh, I've been here since 2009. Okay, how long have you been?
1: This would be my 44th year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the company. 100th year it's
0: our 100 year anniversary my grandfather uh immigrated from italy back in like around 1906 1907 uh was a professional accordionist um when he arrived in this country became a professional accordionist at the age of 15 played around in the what they call the vaudeville era uh, the pantagious Circuit, these were little theaters, hundreds of them throughout the country that they would put on shows. The accordion was extremely popular due to the fact that many places didn't have a piano. And so the accordion became that
1: instrument that people could bring with them as in place of the piano. So when your grandfather immigrated to the United States, did he immigrate to Washington or did he? No, uh,
0: Ellis Island, okay. uh, started on the East Coast. And uh, basically the Pandita circuit brought him all the way to the East Coast or the West Coast. Um, After a few years, he got interested in like how these things worked and more so than playing. So he landed a job at an accordion factory in San Francisco. It was called the Guarini factory. It was basically the first factory in the United States in accordion started by Italian immigrants and so he learned uh the craft of building a complete accordion um
1: there so earlier on before we hit record we had a you show me the book and there's some debate to where the accordion originated from um what's your opinion w-
0: well there's not a debate where the accordion originated from there's you know there's a little like who invented the first accordion as we know it So, you know, it depends on how you want to logistically say, you know, there was one guy that patented the word and his his instrument called the accordion. And when was that? Uh, 1829. Okay. Serial Damon.
1: And so some of these instruments that are behind you on the shelf here, these smaller... Would be replicas of
0: that kind of instrument that he patented. Okay. Yeah. So these are uh, what they call diatonic instruments. They're bisonoric. So when you push and pull the bellows with one button, they have two tones. Okay. Where the accordion, as we know it, in a piano version or a what they call a chromatic button version is uh, auto sonoric. So the same note in and out, okay. and chromatic scale.
1: And then when did your grandfather come up to the cellar? So
0: after he apprenticed in the Greeny factory, um, he came up here, I believe, around 1921. Um, just, just like people had mentioned, he'd never been up here. So he wanted to, before he decided where he wanted to plant his roots, he wanted to see what it was like. And then once he was here, he wanted to plant his roots. And then he bought a house, and in 1922, started building accordions on his own in the basement of his house. That could
1: be a whole episode right there, building accordions <laughs> in the basement of the house. But so he was entrepreneurial though. I mean, he didn't waste any time. No. Okay. He knew, I think, what he wanted to do. Okay. Yeah. Obviously you weren't there for that, um, you know, but what's the stories of, of, of him building them in the garage? I mean, interesting. I mean, the the, the only recollection I know of is, you know, he never kept records.
0: Uh, you know, there was no bill of sales. There was no records of what he made. That was just, he was fortunate to build one and sell it, build one and sell it. Um, (laughs) so it wasn't until my dad came in after the, after he served in World War II, came into the business full time and then legitimately turned it into a business.
1: So your dad came in. So after World War II. I mean, my, yeah, my dad
0: came in and of course learned when he was, nine ten years old mm-hmm. just you know like i did myself and um but you know like i said after he, he went after high school he got drafted and after uh we got out in 1944 um and came to the business full-time and then turned it into a you know records keeping business yeah legitimate legitimate business um when did you guys
1: move out of the basement
0: so well in so in as the accordion grew in popularity and our business grew, uh, that was time for my grandfather and my dad to increase production. And since in the United States, all the factories that were building accordions, um, you know, workforce was at 110%. I mean, there was no other labor in this industry. They were all working already. And so... Even So all of us in that industry in the U.S. went back to Italy where the accordion kind of was started and the first factory started in Castelfidardo, for Dardo, Italy. Um, 46, we started a partnership with a, a small little firm of uh, some guys in their own right building accordions in, in a farmhouse, so to speak. Um, and then we moved into a factory um, and then increased production from Italy. So we imported our products made in Italy c- coming to the United States. Um, and then that in that era, you were, you know, the accordion was extremely popular for 50 years back in the vaudeville era. Mm-hmm. And then after the war, um, in 1948, there was one kid from Fresno, California, 17 um, year old, playing the accordion, was on a national, went on a national talent contest, radio contest. His name was Dick Cantino. And um, after winning. After a year of playing and winning every competition every single week, he was the national champion. Okay. Um, and that was set the world on fire, or the country on fire with the accordion. And every kid wanted to play the accordion. So from 1948, importing of about uh, maybe 25,000 accordions into the US. Uh, by 1959, we were importing 250,000 accordions a year is that you or no the united states the industry yeah the The industry industry so okay yeah so for a period of 10 years the accordion was the most popular played instrument in the country it outsold every other musical instrument combined
1: i did not know yeah
3: (laughs) that's wild right that's that's really wild
0: yeah okay i mean this guy playing the accordion was you know girls were screaming and when he walked like on stage he got his shirt ripped off. And, <laughs> yeah I mean it was it was he was Elvis before Elvis, but this was radio, so he didn't have the popularity of t- television at that time right um, So you know people didn't really know what he looked like, but he looked good enough that he became a Hollywood movie star and wow did the whole trick.
1: So you began to import accordions in from
0: from Italy. yeah, so our factory, we started producing more accordions in Italy um and then in 1955 my father we needed more room we needed a you know to grow um so he uh purchased a building on 45th street in Wallingford district a commercial building and where he moved the company there
2: that was without great grandpa's knowledge right
0: yeah that's an interesting story <laughs> so my grandfather like you know we're fine you know we're okay we went to italy we're importing more accordions we're doing just just right we don't need want? and my dad just like yeah well you know we need to we need to get better um so one month my grandfather went to, on his yearly trip to italy and uh my dad packed up everything in front of his own a trucking company we packed up the shop he bought a building and moved in and when my grandfather came back there was a brand new shop showroom work <laughs> and he had no idea how did that go over? <laughs> uh, you know, I, th- I, uh, he, I don't think he was upset. I think he was shocked. But then after, I mean, my dad had it all set up. So, I mean, it, it went over. It ended up really well. So, but how long were
1: that. you guys on Wallingford? In that Wallingford From 1955
0: Wallingford. to 2018. So,
1: where? Because I want to say I've, the logo, the sign, I've seen it in that area. and I'm trying to remember. What were you by? Um, I mean,
0: we were one block west of I-5 on on the south end of 45th. The most iconic place from people that were one block east of Dick's Drive-In. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: So kind of where um, Golden Oldies Records? Yeah. 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 Just, okay. Just the block down. All right. Okay. Yeah. I knew that. Same okay. Thing. That's okay. So when, and so you
0: moved here to the Lindwood area? Yeah. So, uh, again, I mean, things changed. Our... our our business model was changing. We had more people in the store, uh, workers. Uh, we wanted to expand. My son had some great ideas, and luckily he didn't do it when I was gone. <laughs> uh, we decided to do this together. But yeah, um, and location-wise, we didn't. You know, parking was of an issue. A lot, of, lot of different reasons, a multitude of reasons that we decided to move out and build a new shop out here in Linwood.
1: Okay. How That's old right. were you when you went to work full time? In, in the
0: business, I mean, I started playing the accordion at seven. Um,
1: Did you win any competitions?
0: We didn't do competitions. Um, yeah, our teacher was not a competition guy. He thought he thought you could go out and earn money rather than was doing guy. it for free. Okay. Uh, so my first gig was at ten years old, and went on to play professionally for about fifteen years. Uh, but we started in the shop. I go to my dad. Uh, my dad took us to the shop every Saturday afternoon um, when we were you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. By junior junior high, after school, we would go down and spend a few hours learning. Um, Graduated high school, went a couple years of uh, business school, and then went to full-time in 1980, full-time. Okay. Yeah,
1: and kept playing the accordion uh, uh, on the side. So one of the questions I always ask musicians, is I'll ask you first, and we'll go around the room later, but as a performer, back in the day, where was the best venue to play at as a performer that you thought as as a musician as the artist? This is a cool place to play. They took good care of you. All of that. I mean, for we we were
0: like weekend warriors. So I mean, I, I mean, I, my memory of playing like the really nice, really nice restaurants—Rosalini's, Four 6'10". Six Ten—I mean, those were and Victor Rosalini was a great guy. And when we played there, you know, we sat. He after playing here, sit down in a nice have a, you know, magnificent meal and treated us really, really well. Um, The clientele there was great and the pay was really well. But we did weddings, funerals, uh, birthdays, anniversaries. Um, I remember one gig we did was like a birthday party for a 30-year-old in a pool parlor. And between pool and between playing uh, Jackson Brown music, we were the (laughs) entertainment (laughs)
1: <laughs> hmm okay
0: so we did everything you did everything yeah we played at uh, Fifth Avenue okay you know opening strolling according to us for the show okay um, yeah a lot of experience so why did you stop playing oh because we couldn't continue to work full time six days a week and play you know <laughs> 3 nights a week. We I mean we did it for a good stretch of time but uh then you start ha- then you have kids and you have start a family and you don't have time for that. So, so. it's his fault. That Not was his fault. fault. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> he was the demise of my professional accordion playing. <laughs> we know how that recorded. How when did your dad retire from the business? You know my dad really in essence never retired. He quit working physically doing the work, the manual work that he did. Um Probably what 1990, 1990, mm-hmm. um, but continued operating some of the business standpoints. And then, you know, but he, he stopped working, but he was there every day. I mean, that was his life, livelihood okay. as far as just being around customers and, um, you know, continuing the generational insurance of the business. I well,
1: think. My, my friend Renee has told me stories about, you know, your dad and, you know, his, his, Renee's mm-hmm. dad. And so it's like, it's interesting to kind of, I, I, I never, you know, never met you before, never met your father, but I get the feeling your dad was an ambassador for Yeah. For I that. mean, our
0: customers, I mean, uh, you know, Al Faber and Renee's father, Al Faber and uh, my dad, I mean, all, they became very close friends. I mean, not just customers not just clients but they would see each other you know outside of work my dad would you know go and see him play all the time and i mean it just it was a supportive environment for everybody
1: early 50s instruments super popular popularity wanes where is it at now in your opinion in in, in 2022 is it steady uh, interest in the instrument
0: is it growing it's growing. The increase, the, the the demand for the accordion, the popularity in the last decade has been larger than it has been in the last forty years. So it's 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 you know you can read many many articles and they all start with the accordion resurgence, which is a very true statement. And it's all change of due to music. So you can talk to some you know the younger people and Gabe and Joey. I mean it's. You know, the reason why the accordion went out of decline was the change of music. It wasn't because of the instrument. Mm-hmm. You know, rock and roll just changed everything, and by the time the Beatles showed up, it was over. And the downfall was kind of the accordion's fault or the people involved, the teachers and, and the environment, was they hated rock and roll. They didn't want rock and roll. They didn't want you to play rock and roll. Mm. So it's like you got to keep... This, you know, stuff that we've been playing 50 years ago, this is what you should be playing on the accordion. And uh, so they kind of took themselves out in a sense as well.
1: Normally I don't ask business questions, but I'm going to try to frame this broadly. So during, say, the 60s and 70s, the accordion... Popularity was pretty pretty low. You know? mm-hmm. So you went from, in
0: 1959, you went to the the peak of importing accordions of over a quarter of a million. Mm-hmm. By 1965, it was... Uh, no, 19 yeah, 1965, 66, it was 5,000.
1: So how does a business stay afloat when you have that significant mm-hmm. drop of sales?
0: Well, we don't need to sell... We don't even make 5,000. I, I know, but, but... But, I mean, the point is that we were still... Small. I mean, we were considered a small manufacturer and a small business, which mm-hmm. my dad preferred to keep it to have control over it. Okay. All the other companies that went large and went where they needed to sell mm-hmm. a thousand accordions to survive, those are the companies that went out of business. So we continued to maintain high, high quality. Mm-hmm. So you said, there was still a market. You had all these thousands and thousands of people that t- took accordion as a kid. Right now, in the '70s, late mid '60s to '70s, you know they were becoming adults. Mm-hmm. The music scene was still around, Um, so they were still playing. Okay. Now they were just playing, you know, not student instruments. They were playing professional instruments, which is more along the lines. Which so is what, what we catered to, okay, and where we, you know, where we went to. So you were so the company adapted then, well, not even really adapted. You stayed. We just continued, right? And the, our shift was. You know, back in the 50s, 80% of our production were student models. Mm-hmm. Now it's 80% of our production were professional models. Right. Okay. Um, and the higher dollar value just means, you know, yeah, you don't have to make as many either.
1: Right. Okay. So, Joey, I'll ask you this question. What's your model percentage now in 2022? Jump to modern day.
2: From student to professional. Right. I mean, where there once was a, a, you know, a difference between student and professional, you know, very in a more strict manner. Um, Today, we consider most, I mean, any of our Potosa accordions are considered professional level as far as quality and how they're made and who they're designed for. Um, Of course, there's plenty of those, you know, folks that maybe at the beginning stage or intermediate stage are just wanting the best of something. Um, And so that's where, you know, Potosa caters to. Today we have a second line and, you know, we also offer other brands, um, that, you know, fill that, that void of more entry level price points. Um, but our second line is, you know, what we consider to be, you know, a lot more price competitive, um, but also maintains the same, you know, Potosa characteristics and, and high quality features. Um, you know, there's, there's some, you know, some major cost saving things where we streamline some production. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, to answer your question in a more direct fashion, um, I mean, I think there's always a demand for the highest quality of something, um, whatever it is. And so Petosa still, you know, is is at the top as far as that category is concerned. Um, our, you know, our, our ventures today are consisting a lot of uh, trying to fill the void of, you know, quality and price combined. Whereas there's just not a lot of options right now um, in previous, you know, 10, 15 years as the accordion industry is becoming more busy. Um, you get kind of one or the other. You get quality with price or you get you know, entry level with lower price. Market. Yeah, no. And so we're, we're, we've been working for the last five, six years on meeting those two together. Okay. And that would be our, our second line called Americana.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to ask a generic question. One of you jump in and answer this. The accordion is a very simple instrument, not a lot of moving parts.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: How many parts are in a typical
2: accordion? Typical six to seven thousand. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, there's two or three thousand pieces in an entry level small size accordion.
1: Okay, knowing next to nothing about the instrument, you're just doubling the parts, I mean, you, you go from three thousand to six, seven. Are the reeds more intricate or, or what's why doubling parts?
0: Well, it's basically musical. So, um, a Student model accordion, an entry level accordion doesn't need as many playing notes, doesn't need the musical range. Okay, and when you get into a more professional instrument where you're playing already and you're you just need more of an instrument, so more notes, no more playing range, kind of like saying a a piano with four octaves, okay, and then you have a piano with seven octaves, okay, you know, they're just more pieces. in yeah, that just seems sure. like a first off, it's a staggering amount of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are. I mean, this is everything down to individual screws. But that's crazy. Yeah. And when you think of musically having an instrument um, in the upper end of what they call a a free bass instruments, they have the musical range of a piano. Mm -hmm. And so, when you think of an instrument and the and the characteristics of a cathedral reed organ, pipe organ sound, with stops and changes of voices. When you consider that sitting on your lap and you can take it anywhere that you want in the world,
1: it's uh, it's incredible. When you put it that way, that that's that that helped me, because I'm, I'm looking around the room going. Those parts are really small because <laughs> those boxes aren't that big. Yeah. So,
0: musically, you're carrying a piano with you.
1: Right. No. I,
0: and think about that, what that takes. <laughs> right. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> uh, These are a whole lot easier than to move to Yeah. From an assembly standpoint, putting a, an accordion together. A lot of time. You told me lots of hours, lot, and lots of months because you guys are letting them dry, your seasoning and things like this. The difference between your, your, your two brands, your two lines, time-wise, if i if i if i your phone rang earlier today and somebody asked you about an accordion so imagine that was me going hey i'd like to buy an accordion and you go great we have we have these three models i'll just say through and i say i'd like the top of the line one that you have let's i'm just going to point to one over there on the top shelf i want the one on on the top shelf you can look at it and tell me what that price would be and i say great i want it but i want it in blue so you don't have it in stock how long am i waiting
0: well, it takes, uh, from start to finish, it's going to take, on our top models, it's going to take roughly 18 months.
1: And how do people react when you tell them that? Um, Professional just, musicians probably get it, but what about somebody that's got money, and they, their kid says they want an accordion, and they come in, they want to buy the best for little Timmy, and they go, it's going to be 18 months. How does the public take that?
0: Well, you, you, you got to consider you're dealing with a a particular clientele when you're dealing with a fifteen to thirty thousand dollar instrument. So, you know, it's not that it's not Timmy. It's It's not Timmy. It's not Timmy. You haven't had Timmy come in? Timmy (laughs) might want the Americana in blue. Mm -hmm. Um and in those productions, Mm -hmm. you know, we produce, you know, a much more quantity because the difference is in the higher end, you know, there's yeah, the materials, I mean there's difference in qualities of materials, but and but the workmanship is the labor Mm -hmm. okay so in our high high end we only have literally a handful of labor workers that have that um, skill level to produce those so that's why they're very limited and they take so long um, but limited in production in the lesser models and more so the americana line we can use all the workers in the factory and even uh, workers outside the factory so you know components are like uh, it's you know it's kind of a cottage industry as well if you want to mass-produce instruments no one factory can build all the accordions they want but a factory can go out and have parts made by other companies that build parts for the accordion and so if you hire you know three or four of these cottage places that build certain parts and then you do more of an assembly mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know you don't get the quality uh, so it depends on how far you want to reach and
1: what your quantity base is but Okay, well, we're going to go back to little Timmy, and Timmy's dad's got, he's okay. got the MX Black Card, because <laughs> price doesn't matter. And he's willing to wait 18 months. Yeah. And you said you had a handful of craftsmen to do this work. How many craftsmen would be involved in, in making one of these? Seven. Said seven. seven. So what what would their roles loosely be?
0: Uh, so you have a box maker. That's the shell of the instrument, the cabinet. Then we have the bass mechanics. So that's all the little black buttons on the left side, all the buttons, the mechanical uh, operation of that. There's one guy that makes that. We have a keyboard maker that just makes the high end keyboards. Um, We have uh, one tuner. Um, We get supplied read sets, which are, you know, take quite a while to manufacture and wait for. Um, We have. you know the the bellows are bellows. There's not a lot to bellows, um,
1: other than the material. Um, so I was shocked when Joey showed us the the repair room in the back, right? And I asked, you know, what the bellows is meant. of, and it was cardboard. And I'm still was, not quite sure I believe well, it. Well, <laughs> specifically, you have to
0: understand that it's German cardboard. Oh, didn't say that. Yeah, you specific. specifically
1: <laughs> German cardboard. Oh, no, in all seriousness, why? Why and what? What characteristics does it have? I didn't know there was a thing as German cardboard. Did not know. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's you know, it's very high density cardboard. Um, and then you,
0: you know, it's the thickness. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, cardboard. I mean, it's it just needs to be somewhat flexible. Um, and so. The the and most people think well the you know if the bellows are in good shape the rest of the accordion no the bellows actually last longer than the rest of the accordion and
1: that's what he was saying earlier and I'm I'm yeah. still skeptical I mean <laughs> honestly it's cardboard I think it gets wet it's ruined I mean it's a, it's no, an I think it gets damaged that's the, that's really but me. I think of when I think of cardboard I think yeah. of an Amazon box
0: well yeah but then the cardboard's covered with uh you know material to protect it right so it's and layers of material so the cardboard itself does never get exposed unless.
1: Unless it's so, are you buying these bellows pre-made? Or are you manufacturing yeah, a, the bellows? No, we,
0: no, no factories. We no companies like make their own bellows. Okay. So cool. there's some there's bellows factories, and that's all they do is manufacture bellows.
2: Just the machine to compress the bellows is the yeah. size of a suburban. Really? So, yeah. 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 A lot so, of pressure. Yeah. So are you? So when
1: you let's let's talk about the bellows for a second. So it's German cardboard. Factory makes bellows. Are they covering the bellows too or is that yeah they, so they, they
0: complete the bellows so you're buying that whole that assembly piece, Yeah, it's all the folds and the leather gussets and yeah again yeah. Uh, the material of what they're covered in and again there's just you know the there's still some hand processing and making bellows wow. uh, I mean I'd say 70% of it's hand done yeah Wow um, mm-hmm. so again the craftsmanship is still there you, you know how fast do you want to make them how many do you want So the slower production, the higher the quality. Um, But we buy the bellows, and then they have to put frames on them to fit the accordion. So we make the frames, and then the frames are mounted on the bellows to fit the instrument,
3: that particular instrument. Okay. A lot of people ask if they can replace their bellows. You know, how can I replace my bellows? And they think it's, like, just a really quick process. I would think that. But because they're, like Joe said... The, the bellows are made, but the frame that attaches to the accordion, that's made specific to the accordion.
1: So is that the box maker's job to make the frame?
3: Yeah, they make the frame, make the frame along frame. with the box.
1: Wow. What are the keys made out of?
0: I mean, different what, different you, different companies make them. What are your keys? The Tosa keys accordions, are, we only use wood keyboards, okay. and then specifically uh, Walnut. For okay. the keys, and then the, that's the key itself, the wood key itself, and then the top, which is the white part, mm-hmm. um, is it's called Lucite. Okay. It's kind of like a plexiglass. Right. Um, but you know, other like companies use stamped-out plastic, um, or the whole keys made out of plastic or metal. So you know, it's different fabrication depending on the quality. But okay. um, walnut wood and is always been the premier way to make a high-quality keyboard. Because okay. wallet is hard and it can be aged and it doesn't change and warp over time. All
3: right. I feel like there's something that like we haven't really like we're talking about this huge, this gigantic variety or like this huge spectrum of quality, and so we were talking about you know Timmy in 18 months and and yes, we're but talking he has a black MX card, but he has the, he has the yeah. card. That's right. But when we're talking about like. The the top model, the AM1100, Potosas make, all of the accordions are fantastic and they're all professional quality. When we're talking about the AM1100, that accordion is like super duper unique. I mean, nobody makes accordions like that. And that's probably talking about how do they respond to when you say it's going to take 15 months. Well, this is like an entirely different echelon of accordion manufacturing than like 95% of the accordions out there
1: what makes that accordion unique what's what's different about it than i don't know what your competitor will you, will you give me a competitor we we'll just able yeah. well, everybody makes everybody in our industry is
0: produces accordions in a, in a on a high scale production mm-hmm. um, they use a lot of outside sources um, you Know, we're concentrating on a particular quality level, and we know that we're only going to make 10 or 11 of these models a year. That's all we can produce. So, if we wanted to say increase production, well, we'd have to sacrifice the quality and the workmanship. And that's and not, that's not what we're going to do with that model.
2: That's not for, for example, this is just the you know, we're talking about the keyboard construction. So, the, the keyboard construction on the AIM 1100, we have you know one and one being trained currently, uh, keyboard artisan that is still capable of making what is one of the major unique factors of the 1100 model, which is a solid Walnut key, uh, with a Walnut guide. Um, so you'd have to see it to really, you know, picture what that, what that translates to, but basically where the, the steel rod goes through as the fulcrum on the keyboard, the Walnut uh, frame is one continuous piece of solid Walnut, uh, in the guide, the whole the opening that where the fulcrum meets the rod is Walnut has just a, you know, where typically traditionally everybody's using a, a type of metal, typically brass for that guide. And so metal on metal contact versus metal on Walnut wood contact different feel, different response, just a, a totally and different ball game. As far as a keyboard's concerned,
0: all American made accordions always used 100% of American-made accordions use an all-wood walnut keyboard. That's been from day one. Okay. That was the invention. The Italians didn't even know that. Didn't know how to build individually handmade accordions. That was started in the U.S.
1: Wow. Well, how long has the AM1100 been in production? We started in 1952. Have there been any changes to it? I mean, that, oh. may, that may sound stupid, but so... Oh, yeah. What improvements? What, what improvements have been made from a a 1952 model to a 2022 model. You
0: know, you got to consider when you're, you know, you you work with what you know at the time. um, But advantages to that, just the existing keyboard itself has been improved. Um, Finding ways to make it better, quieter, faster, cleaner, sharper, um, more responsive, and even lasting, outlasting, you know, um, the old models as far as not needing service. Our, our accordions have always been about, my dad always felt that, you know, how can we build an accordion that a, that a professional can play and use seven days a week, six, seven hours a day and hold up his entire career.
1: Yeah. Because having to send it back to you for a repair. Yeah. He's probably not carrying two of them with him. I mean, uh, I maybe. you know, one artist
0: that were, that I mentioned to the Dick and back in the day, um, he was supplied. He was so. I mean, he was given accordions to play as, as
3: advertising.
0: Mm-hmm. He literally would go through three or four accordions a year. So he would. They would have to give him three accordions every year to go through, because they they wouldn't hold up to his performances.
1: What? Why? What was? Oh, it? he's
0: he's uh, <laughs> oh, a hard. Okay. He's a hard player. He, uh... I mean, he abuses the accordion when he plays it. Okay. So he plays it beyond its.
3: Because he's a showman. Okay. okay. But we're not talking about Pitosa's. We're talking yeah. about prior to him getting right. involved, involved with the Pitosa's. Okay, so...
0: When you he got- had... Uh, we made him his first accordion in 1967. Um, that accordion... Uh, one of his... Um, people that, you know, followed his career and just was enthralled by him, like, uh, met him several times and became good friends and said, you know, if you ever want to sell that accordion, I want to buy it. So I think in 1980, so about 30 years later, uh, he wanted it so bad, he just, and Dix sold, sold it to him. So his first accordion that's built in 1967 is still being played by another professional. And so Dix had two his whole his whole career. And is he still playing with this aggressive shot? Uh, he passed away in 2017. The incident, we know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> um, and now it's in the Museum of awesome Museum of. But was he playing mm-hmm.
1: aggressively? Oh, yeah, okay. up till his. Oh, so that guy was a- so yeah. why do you think your, your accordion withstood this? What's going on there? We built it in with that
0: in mind to hold up and for strength and durability and longevity so okay. we just did things that you know, made things thicker, made things better, made material stronger
1: Does that change the, the sound that the instrument made though, if you're making things thicker? The,
0: you know, as they say, accordions aren't supposed to be, you know, you don't want them too heavy because you wear them, but they still have to be a certain weight, but mm-hmm. yeah it, I mean, harder materials sound better harder materials last longer they do weigh a little bit more so what did his accordion weigh? Twenty seven pounds. And what's uh, the eleven hundred weigh? Twenty seven pounds.
2: So it's, we still make it the same and way. So you know, making the same way. It's, yeah. it's, it's born of the same genetics. Yeah, I mean, just to, again improved much much more in the mechanic. So aspect. an average
0: accordion weighs twenty five pounds. Yeah. So you're just coming ten percent more. Yeah.
2: Well, it just depends on the. Yeah, you got to look at very very specific you know specifications to really compare. You know, yeah, there's also yeah. accordions
0: by the companies that are heavier than ours yeah. because of the way they're made, not for any other intention other than just the way they're made.
1: Okay. What do you
3: play? I play an AM 1100. I also have an well, my AM 1100s from 1987. Um, I also have an AM 1200 from 1957.
1: What's the difference between the 1100 and the
3: 1200? Uh, one less set of reads. In the king in the keyboard side yeah so my am 1100 is like what they consider to be standard full size it's four reads on the on the right hand side and five on the left um the am 1200 a little bit lighter older accordion so it's a it's a slightly different profile you know like little things have changed over the years but the primary difference is that it has three reads on the right side and and five on the left
1: why did you name it am 1100 Sounds like a radio
0: station. <laughs> yeah, originally in the fifties, uh, my f- they they were they we had names for them. So they originally, nineteen fifty-two, that model was called the Chamber Tone. Then we had a model called the Style Master, the Artist Concert the Stroller, the Concert, the Grand, um, the Baby Grand, and a Baby Grand, <laughs> and then the Petite, uh, and yeah, in in. Uh, Nineteen fifty nine, uh, my uncle who helped a little bit in advertising and he went to the UW, um, they just came up with model numbers rather right, than changed out of their names. There's no significance to that in the numbers. They what, don't mean anything what is other than A M stands for artist model. Artist model. Okay. Yeah. And then we had our S M models, which stood for student model. Okay. Right. But the numbers don't have any significance
3: now they kind of i mean now no, they kind of do. now yeah. yeah i mean now it's it, it determines sort of the size and and the amount of sort of features and where does that kind of sit on the product line yeah. um the a- A1100 being well that's that's an interesting question why do we make the AM11 <laughs> I have a question now um <laughs> the AM1100 why did we call the AM1100 the AM1100 being sort of that Like this is the, this is the model, but then there's a 1300 and a 1400, which I would assume that as the numbers go up, it would mean like more features, but actually the 1300s and the 1400s are, they don't have the tone chamber, which is like a whole nother conversation about stuff. Yeah. I don't, don't. I know I wasn't around then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was born a year after they decided to do this. Okay. <laughs> we can't hold you responsible. No. <laughs> uh, but it, you know what? Its work It's stuck around for the last 70 years, and now the AM 1100 model number is synonymous with one of the best built accordings in the world. And you're um, making
1: about a dozen of those annually?
0: Yeah. yeah. We don't make them. We, we can't produce them every 12 months, but. About every 16, 15, 16 months on okay. an average of 11 to
1: 12, 10, 11. So, random question, how are they brought from Italy to here? I mean, are you FedExing them? On an aircraft. Aircraft. So you're yeah. not trusting them on a ocean <laughs> ship? Like, <laughs> along with a bunch of BMWs and Audis. And
2: not quite the climate for accordions right. on so a ship so across the ocean. flown over.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But back in the 50s?
0: No, back in the 50s, it was all ocean freight. But it, at, the difference was, too, we were, you know, back then, we were selling 250 accordions a month. My dad and, you know, there's two of them.
3: But also, you said that you were building a lot of the accordions, like you were, you were assembling a lot of the accordions in, in, Seattle. in Seattle. So yeah, they weren't the 11, showing just up. Just the 1100. So okay, so okay. Just the 1100.
1: Were the parts manufactured over in Italy? Shipped over, partially assembled, and final assembly was done here in
0: Seattle. I mean, the, the 1100s that we made here, uh, all the wood, everything wood we made here, okay. Uh, you know, the machine, the machine parts are some machine parts which naturally have to be right, and that's they, they, that comes from Italy, and the reeds came from Italy, okay. Yeah, and all of our models from 1952 and the 11, all of our artist models from 1952 to 1987. You know, the reeds are what you'd consider to be the heart and soul of the accordion. Mm-hmm. Um, were made by one individual, by hand in his house. And then you have considered there's 224 reed tongues in an 1100. Each individual tongue made by hand. What are the tongues made of? Swedish blue steel. That's very specific. Yeah, specific, <laughs> specific tempered steel, <laughs> spring steel.
1: So how did you guys come up? What sort of prototyping and testing do you do to get to the fact that you 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 landed on Swedish blue steel? Well, that
0: was the that's the according standard industry standard. They developed that back in the
1: 1800s. But are you okay? So is is Potosa looking at making? Hopefully, not asking any questions that are proprietary, and they're going to kill me after the episode. (laughs) But are you guys prototyping any changes, updates to as technology changes? Yeah, I'll let Joey. Okay, so how? So my question is, how? How are you guys? How do you guys prototype? Let's say you're going to move away from Swedish blue steel. How would? How would? Well, well you're not going to move
0: away from Swedish blue steel. Okay. Um, there's, I mean, they've tried stainless steel. We've, we've over the decades of the, the, the industry's tried many different things and never come up with anything better. Okay. Um, I don't think that's going to change, but. <laughs> You know the way the way the reads are made. There's different quality levels. You know you you want to make ten thousand reads in an hour, or you know one set in a day.
1: Right. Okay. Um, but how do you work. how would you prototype this if you're working through something like? Is there an area of, of an accordion that, in your opinion, Joy could be modernized?
2: Sure. I mean, we we've done that, and we continue to strive to do that. Um, I mean. Just some simple examples are, you know, American accordions and Patosa in general has used mahogany for the most part. As far as you know, the majority of acoustic tone wood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the later, you know, more recent years, the demand for lighter weight instruments has become more popular. Um, so we've, you know, uh, experimented and also, you know, put in production a lot of instruments using spruce, for example. Um, so it's a lighter weight wood.
1: So what is that? Just like you're mm-hmm. changing from mahogany to spruce. What's the weight of the instrument change?
2: Yeah, well, so there's there's certain things that you don't change. Like okay. we know mahogany box is something that we do We're not, not change, that. unless you're talking about a specific specialized model like our Artista Pro that's solid maple, for example. So, but that you know, again, different different beast. But for you know standard Potosa production, um, those things there's certain things don't change. There are some things that can and do, which are the reed block material. Um, again, that that can affect weight to some significant degree um it will you know that it translates to a little bit of less weight a little bit brighter sound um so you know there's some give and takes and there's some actual intentions behind a lot of that stuff so for certain styles of music a lot of folk music of of today is you know a little bit brighter sound isn't isn't a bad thing um and so that really warm mahogany rich sound that we've always been known for is is in high demand and always will be. Um, but there's also, you know, something different. There's a demand for something different. So.
1: And so just changing the reeds out will make a noticeable tone change.
2: The reeds are more of a mechanical aspect to the instrument. So the the tone doesn't necessarily come from the reeds, which are aluminum, um, you know, Swedish blue steel, um, and of course, you know, either mylar or leather as a valve material, which that in, in and of itself can change tonality and response to some degree. Um, most of the tonal aspects are going to come from the reed block material, which are a number of different types of reeds or excuse me, different types of wood, um, combined. Uh, but there's going to be a, you know, uh, the majority of that material is going to be, you know, mahogany. Uh, spruce and again, sometimes maple. Um, as far as, you know, the, the rest of where tone comes from, it comes from the cabinet or the box. Um, the thickness of that box is, you know, can, can change the the brightness or warmness of sound. So we have some models in our, in our lightweight series called the Leggera line that are what a three ply mahogany. So it's a compressed mahogany material. Uh, In our AM 1100 model, if you compared them side by side, you'd see a five ply mahogany box. And so that thicker material, of course, more weight, but also more density and therefore more, more, more sound, more volume, more, more warmth of sound as well. And, you know, you could say that for many other aspects, you look at the tone chambers in the instrument. So a tone chamber is essentially a, a cabinet within the cabinet. So it's a, it's a chamber. Uh, where two, most of the time, two of the four in a professional model, two of the four, two of the three sets of reeds are housed in a chamber. What that chamber is made of is very important. Um, Tone chambers are not created equal. Um, There's aluminum based tone chambers, which is, of course, much more cost effective and much more uh, speedy to produce. Um our chambers and all of our Potosa models are gonna consist of a solid mahogany tone chamber. So all all made from one piece of um uh, mahogany by hand. Um and if you look if you look at the if you looked at the shape of the tone chamber, it has a ninety degree cur- rounded curve to it. Um so the 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 expertise of crafting that is is very high. Um
0: it's milled from a solid block. Yeah. Rather than pieces put together. Yeah.
1: So how long does that take to put it, make Uh, a tone chamber? I mean, I'm just, I'm fascinated by the whole craftsmanship aspect of everything here.
0: Yeah, I mean, when we build chambers, we, you know, will, will produce, you know, thirty or forty at a time. Okay. They're mill all, you know, you're set up so you mill it out. It's really the expertise of, you know, knowing how to mill that out, but then it has to be fitted and mounted for that one accordion. So the final process is really the. The labor
1: intense. the
0: fiddling, if you right, will because you can't. That's hand. why aluminum—you can just bend it. If it doesn't fit here. You just bend it. So how do you adjust? Wood it? you can't bend. So how
1: do you adjust a, a tone chamber <laughs> for for an accordion?
0: What do you have? File to, and sand it. File and sand to meet another piece of wood by the hand. Joint has yeah. to be done. Yeah, all by
3: hand. I mean something that's like in that that comes up is like when when you look at all the parts and all the pieces of the accordion, you know, because it's an industry. There's there's like. It's not any one piece necessarily, although with the AIM 1100s, certainly the keyboard is the thing that takes the, a lot of time, but I feel like every like individual part by itself doesn't necessarily take a lot of time to make. It's the, it's the putting it together that, that requires like the extensive amount of time because it's all put together by hand.
1: So let's go back to the 1100, then we're gonna do the putting it together. I'll call it the final assembly maybe. Maybe that's not accurate, but we're gonna put it together how many man hours, approximately? That's six months. Now, when you say six months. by a multitude months, of people, do you well, okay? Now is that six months because we're letting things, you know, sit for a while? But I, I mean,
0: if you took the whole amount of labor, mm-hmm. like all the individuals, mm-hmm. yeah, you're talking six months. Now
1: you, you got to understand oh. too
0: that you're not putting one accordion taking six months to complete one accordion. Two, you're and batch then in. you stop and then start another one accordion. So you're working so you're on three or four. I mean, you're, yeah, yeah. You're, you're working on a production, a series of several at a time, so it's one, th- but each one is done by hand.
3: It's hard to believe, you know.
1: Well, in this day and age, yeah, it is kind of hard, hard to believe. I mean, no, I don't, it's not that I don't believe you. It's just, it's... It's, it's incredible. It's, it's incredible, yeah, that's better. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That you... There's this craft, this artisan level of craftsmanship still going on. Okay.
2: Now you know why. There's a demand for it. Yeah, that's why our factory workers go home for a two-hour nap during the middle of the day. (laughs) There's a way to
1: help that. It's called espresso. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're in Italy. Give me espresso. Where
2: Where in Italy are these? Uh, Is it northern Italy? So where? Where? Castelfidardo is the the. The Mecca of accordion um, for the world. And that's uh, if you, I mean, nearest biggest city is Ancona. Uh, if you're on the, you know, north and south uh, looking at Italy, you're all the way on the Adriatic side. Okay. On the east side, on the coast. Okay. And right, right smacked
0: You can see, well, it used to be Yugoslavia, Serbia, oh, Croatia.
2: Okay. okay. Uh,
1: Why do you think that this area is a probably an awkward question for everybody, but why, why do you think this area became this mecca of accordion craft? Because back in
0: 1850 era, that's where Paolo Soprani took this old, this patented accordion, as we know it, button system, and turned it into the accordion that we knew it, started the first factory and employed the first workers. And that's where, it's kind of like Detroit of the automobile. You know, why was it Detroit? Why wasn't it you know, New Orleans or, right. Okay. It just, that, that's happenstance. Right. And then that's what created the economy there though. Okay. It was one of the largest economies in Italy. Okay.
3: I mean, when you go to Castel Fidardo today, you still, a lot of people that live in town and even around there, they work in the industry. Okay.
1: People that play your instruments. Where are they? Where's the strangest place you got an order from? To you, what, you know, strange. I mean, like, you know, Everett? No, I mean. (laughs) Where have people come, and how have people found your your brand through the years? I mean, you've been in business 100 years. I don't think it's because you're selling accordions in just Seattle. Like. No,
0: I mean, uh, let's go back to my era. Um, and my dad's era, it was uh, basically word of mouth. Okay. I mean, we would sell, somebody would hear about our instrument, on the East coast um, or in Australia or in Germany, or I mean, I I think the, the one that I, that sticks in my head as being, like you said, uh, most memorable. I'm going to say was we got a letter from China um, and this, this particular artist was, and still is one of the most recognizable concert artists in China. His dad his father was the first teacher and accordion studio in China. So it's kind of considered the father of the accordion in China, where the largest amount of accordion players are. Um, He wrote us a letter and uh, asked about one of our instruments. And long story short, uh, we built what he wanted. Um, He had to then get a visa and permission to leave the country to come and get it. Um, And that was just a six month process alone. Um, yeah, so, so he, and he didn't speak in English or his wife, so he shows up, um, you know, we met him and we got along because we we're just talking accordions. How, but how we, did you
1: talk accordion to somebody that doesn't speak English and if, or do you speak Chinese? Nope.
0: <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't really need to. I mean, you know, it's all physical motion and pointing to something and,
1: okay, so um, you, and all oh.
0: he wanted to do was play it and know that he, it sounded like it he wanted. sounded and after, you know all the years and all the accordions that he's been through, um, he stated many times in many publications that it's
1: been the finest according that he's ever played. So, when he made the order and you said you, you made it for him with his specifications, what, what sort of things can an artist change to, 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 yeah, an, the, the note range, the
0: amount of notes that he wants, where you want it to start and stop, um. His particular instrument was also called a converter free bass, which on the left hand turns the chord notes into single notes so that you can play individual piano, anything written for the piano. Um, And there's different options as as far as musical notation and how that works. Um, Yeah, and he came and picked it up. uh, And that's the last time we saw him.
3: You can change the color, too, if you wanted to. <laughs> you can, what? You can change the color oh, if oh, you I want thought, to.
2: I, the way you said that, I was like, after the fact, you can change the color. So... <laughs> uh, <laughs> After the fact, the the most common thing is you know adding accessories, amplification, so on and so forth, but also tuning, custom tuning. So uh, you know if they want to change the the uh, the spread of you know be it dry or some form of musette or somewhere in between, that's something that you know can Do be you guys changed after fact. Because I don't understand yeah, this right is common. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> these terms I got to explain. Is all yeah. <laughs> and I know. I'm like what? Right, right, no, so try to break that down into you know, not English. but yeah. <laughs> Help me out. <laughs> So there's, you know, depending on the style and genre of music, there's, there's a, a type of tuning, which, you know, in, in more layman's terms is that the, the, how would you say? Um, yeah. I mean, the configuration of reeds So you have, you know, in an, in any one given accordion, you have most of the time a low octave and a mill octave. That's a very simple, you know, entry level instrument. Um, intermediate to higher professional level instruments, you're going to be into a three or four read accordion. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's five read accordions, but they're, you know, much more seldom. Um, so you have, a, a, you have the combinations. Think about you have low, middle, high, you can combine that in a three or four read accordion, a number of different ways. Okay. You can have low, middle, middle mm-hmm. at a four read. You can have low, middle, middle, high and a four read. You can have low, middle, 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 and a jazz configuration where a lower octave is desired. You can have low, low, middle, middle. Um, and you know, there's other, unique configurations too but those are the basic you know so somebody can come in
1: and and have you guys swap out you know provide a so if i bought your accordion from you okay. how's your how's your accordion set up right now
3: my accordion is a low middle middle high okay. Uh dry tuned accordion so um, let's say i
1: wanted to change it to low low middle high well, i could come in here and or could i do that Or what? what, what, No, is. First off, the answer to that question is no. Scott can't touch it. Yes, correct.
2: (laughs) Not allowed. Yeah. So, so I'm going to buy this accordion. He's got it tuned for his thing. I want to do low, low, middle, high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What would we do? So that would be tuning is involved in that process, but that's a separate concept from tuning. So you're talking more in, in regards to the reed configuration, as I would say. So that would entail taking the actual plates of the reeds off of the reed block and changing them out to a whole different octave. And so you're going to. And then manufacturing new reed blocks. Yes. So they this isn't exactly, No, yeah. it's
0: not. According to the, a handmade accordion, you don't. I mean, there's no interchangeable parts you don't take okay. another something from somewhere else and then replace it okay. it's either made for the accordion at the time where it's not so okay. what is
1: your set for low, low, middle, high um,
3: and dry low, middle, middle, high okay. so I think something that we kind of like glossed over is like the the, the reed configuration versus the tuning yeah. so the tuning in those weird words that Joey was saying like dry or musette has to do with when two of those voices two of those reed sets are in the same octave or the same note, one of them can be detuned. So this is something that we could do after the fact, because this is tuning, right? Not read configuration. So when you have two reads together and they're both perfectly in tune, we call that dry. And that means that everything is nice and clean. It has sort of like a laser beam, really cutting sound. When you detune one of those reads of the same octave, if you have low middle middle, so one of the middles is going to be tuned most likely sharp if it's a two read and they're gonna pitch it up to let's say one of them is at zero it's like zero cents it's perfectly in tune and the other one is 15 cents sharp and that like as i think for most musicians would be like that sounds like a horrible idea why are you detuning something but what we get is the the frequencies of those two voices happening at the same time creates almost like a tremolo effect The the waves hitting each other makes it go from a pure sound to sort of like a wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah kind of sound and that's more common in like folk music or um yeah ethnic music let's say okay. the dry sound is more for if you play classical music if you play jazz music um, and really anything can be used for whatever you want but it, it's at least historically the musette is a very specific thing that's that detuned sound and the dry is is pretty well it's it's totally in tune and it's says it's a different timbre i mean it creates like not just a different it creates the tremolo effect but it also changes the timbre because you have two different tuned reads
1: so how long does it? accord so like when you, when i think of like a guitar or a piano they go out of tune guitars go out of tune frequently pianos Hopefully, take a little while. How long does an accordion stay in tune for?
0: It's probably the most care, part of, I mean, again, the level of quality. Mm-hmm. Okay, just like you tune a piano, some pianos will need to be tuned every two months, mm-hmm. some will, you know, every twice a year. Mm-hmm. Accordions aren't meant to be tuned on a regular basis. Okay. So it's, you know, they, even a piano, I mean, when you play a guitar, any string instrument, as soon as you just play it, They start going out of tune. Now, whether you can hear it or not, that's a different concept. But the accordion is kind of the same thing. It takes hours and hours to tune an accordion, multitude of hours. Um, So it's the level of quality. I mean, you want an accordion, how long is it going to stay in tune? It depends on the quality. But a good accordion, a Potosa professionals will not have to return for 20, 30 years uh, before it needs just some minor touch-up, as we say. So that's the intention. If an accordion
3: has to be tuned every two or three years, you know, you better get a better accordion. Okay. It's a much more stable system, right? With yeah. like a with the piano, there's a lot of tension in those strings, right? And so over time it's just gonna it's going to drop or it's going to change, or like the wood could move and it could fluctuate with an aluminum plate with a metal with a stainless steel or a, a Swedish blue steel reed on there there's only so much sort of movement that's going to happen. Okay. Um and again, quality dependent, but
1: what genres of music are you guys selling accordions to now? Is
2: there is there something trending upward genre-wise? The I mean I'd say, you know, there's a lot as that umbrella genre as far as tex specs concerned, you know, there's Tejano and Norteño and many other genres within that but that's certainly I mean culturally the the accordion is probably the most popular instrument in that in the culture um, and it's you know it's a prized uh, uh, it's a prized ability and it's a prized instrument in that in that culture and so uh, I'd say that's certainly you know trending upwards as far as popularity um, and there's just a lot more where there once was a very Small number of companies making that style of instrument uh, you know the demands picked up so you know ourselves included are, are starting to introduce ourselves into that into that market um, and you know the, just any folk genre in general I mean you know you, you listen to the top Spotify bands you know the top 100 and m- most of them I say are going to be somewhere in a folk genre uh, okay so
0: interesting enough um, I just learned this that we've had some um, young 10-year-olds, 8-year-olds, 9-year-olds coming to the accordion. You didn't tell me Timmy. You, earlier yeah. said Timmy.
1: you didn't tell me how old he was. Oh, okay. I <laughs> it was, it was, it was, Timmy, Timmy has to be an adult with a black
0: American. Dress. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Good point. But it was, I. you know, I learned like, so I'm always curious with everybody coming that's never, you know, anybody, young adult okay. now coming to the accordion wanting to play. I, I'm always curious. Where did you hear? Why did you the accordion. And these young kids are we heard it on a video game.
2: Mm-hmm. But video games featuring a crew. You you would be surprised.
3: Yeah. The big one is the, no, the no. big one is Zelda. Um <laughs> Zelda? the last not the last Zelda. I forget which edition it was, but um one of the characters in the game plays like a big style of an accordion. It's not a piano accordion, but it's a instrument with buttons and bellows and that was a thing that move the
1: needle on accordion sounds <laughs>
3: yeah little things like that you know um and the other song from that was really popular by
0: uh yon tearson about um, the amelie thing, the amelie thing. Yeah, yeah amelie i mean there's I, certain things that just kick people off to like get an interest like
3: well it's it's i mean maybe i'm just attuned to it now more and i'm like my ears are just always looking for an accordion sound but you hear it a lot once you once you notice it it is in a lot of tv it's in a lot of movies it the thing about the accordion it has this like um it has this unique timbre it has this like it it has a sound that's like very evocative of of one thing or another for 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 people maybe it's like evocative of of being you know in europe or something and so or it has like a folky atmosphere that it can create or something. And so people use it as like a musical texture as like a little spice. And so you might not hear it playing the, the main melody all the time, although you could, but you you might also just hear it like playing the role of like an organ or something in the background, like just creating that flavor, especially within like the folk and the folk rock genres. You know, I think another big one that kind of, brought the accordion out was like bands like mumford and sons and the decemberists even arcade fire they all have accordion players in the band and they were like massively huge groups you know did that did that
1: did those three bands did that move the needle in in interest definitely
3: all of it does it does
0: yeah and uh and then you know kind of a, a new those are older groups right those are those guys are 30 years old well 20, yeah 20,
3: 20. ish years old now yeah
0: and then you have like the lumineers which mm-hmm. is kind of a newer
3: they were the same era you yeah. know oh, yeah. sons, lumineers decemberists yeah. were actually the, the, the earliest the folk groups. rock group that, got, years because years. they got signed to Capitol records um so they had a lot of like push yeah but yeah. um it's like you said earlier, like there's this, or like Joe said, it's it's this resurgence. It's like not one thing. It's like, it's just kind of, it just feels like it to me as an accordion player, when I started, you know, 15, 16 years ago, it was like, it felt like it was just starting to kind of naturally come back. And I think it is, it feels very organic. I don't think any one thing is like absolutely pushing it. I think it's just a matter of of time and history and, and cycles and waves. And it seems like right now so many little things are just sort of pushing us in, in, in a good direction. I think. Well,
1: let me ask you this question. Cause you at the guest, You're the only one that wasn't raised in an accordion
3: household. Right. What brought you to the instrument? Uh, a lot of things. Yeah. Um, my dad is from Brazil. Um, my mom's American. So growing up, um, go to brazil frequently and visit family and stuff and and it's a popular instrument in especially in the northeast of brazil but also throughout brazil so i kind of had like a little taste of it um and then like completely by happenstance i I found an accordion it was a friend of mine's uh mom who got it in the 70s from a door-to-door salesman super classic accordion story and i started just dinking around on it and the accordion world's small, and people are very. They want to get you in, especially if you're like a young person like I was. So I, cool. I'm, I'm. It's, it's it's kind of clicky, um, and and certain environments of the accordion world are really predominantly like older generation accordionists. So when when somebody younger comes in, they kind of all like. Flock to them, and they, which is a great thing, because they want to help you. They want to, they want to figure out how they can support you in their journey. I happened to be living nearby where there was an accordion um, camp happening. One of my friends from college saw me playing accordion. Sure this isn't a It's starting to sound, yeah, like, exactly. Sound like a cult and uh, I, I saw the accordion in a way that I hadn't seen before. Um, a, an artist named Frank Morocco, who's a legendary. Um, jazz accordionist and also a legendary studio musician in the L.A. Uh, film scene. So 1950, his first credit was Dr. Zhivago on a movie. He recorded accordion for countless movies all the way up until he passed away in, was it 2012? Wow. Yeah. So I, I got fortunate enough to meet him and these people, I just, I had a hunger for the accordion and, and the 16 years later, I'm here.
1: You played piano
3: originally?
1: Yeah. You went to school for piano?
3: Well, yeah, I went to school for voice yeah. first and then piano for so my second what degree. What
1: genre of music were you comfortable with at that time?
3: Jazz, yeah. Okay. And did,
1: went, did the accordion fit into that? Is that? Was it, that the genre that brought you in?
3: No, I mean, It, it is. Ha- the accordion has some history with jazz, but Frank Morocco is... is one of these, like I said, these legendary characters, particularly for jazz accordion. And there's a few throughout the years that we could kind of say like, oh, this guy and this guy and that guy. Um, But Frank Morocco, like I said, it it, it showed me that like the stuff that I was really getting interested in, in piano and and all kinds of other stuff like that, um, that it was possible on the accordion and that it could be like swinging and it, it was like a huge it was like a like a like a a huge level of awareness just happened seeing him play was like oh people that's possible okay. and then it was like i was hooked so where were you where were you living when you up the accordion. I was living in Mesa, Arizona.
1: Mesa, Arizona. So how'd you end up here? What was your, what's your journey? Because you're not family, so here, but here you are. So it, once again, it's a cult. Thank yes, you. Yes. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I got my robe and. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so,
3: secret handshake. Yes, exactly. No,
1: what, what brought you, why did you migrate up from
3: Mesa? So I had been um playing accordion for a number of years, like uh we talked about earlier i had done some done some competitions and after one of these accordion camps uh another great accordionist named frank patrilli uh he he brought me uh, back after the concert we had finished our final thing at the camp i had been playing for you know a couple of years and really working my butt off and he goes like hey gabe come over here um I, I, your accordion sucks man and I was like yeah you know I just I'm, I'm a student I don't have money he's like well I got one you can have uh, it was my dad's accordion it's like never been played and I didn't know anything about what it was but somebody told me oh he's giving us AM 1100 once again yes. he's like this is, this is going to sound weird he's like all you got to do is come to my house in LA you pick it up no strings attached and I'm like oh, I'm going to get like chopped up into little pieces or something um I got the accordion and, (laughs) and then the next year I did another competition or, or or something happened. The Potosas put like an advertisement out in one of these accordion festivals and I was on the photo when that was cool. So I met Joe on the phone calling to like register my accordion. You know, this is the serial number. I'm the new owner. Um, So that was like the beginning of the relationship was just, I'm playing your instrument and I'm out there and just would be good to know you.
1: Let me ask you this. First time you picked it up, the AM 1100, right? You've been playing a no name model. It doesn't matter what it was. Um,
3: Somebody said it wasn't very good. What did you notice picking up an AM 1100 for the first time? That's indescribable. It's like night and day. It's like you're driving a, like a geo tracker or something. And then you go to like, you know, a Ferrari or something. I mean, really unbelievable. Um, so you noticed it right away. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's All even right. for a beginner, you, you feel the difference. You hear the difference mostly. Okay. Um, so then I started touring with a band for a while. I was playing in this folk rock group and I'd come through Seattle a lot. What um, band? Uh, been called Jared in the mill. Okay. Um, and so we'd be touring a lot and I was in the band for a few years and, um, we'd come through Seattle a lot cause we were in Arizona. So if we were going east coast way, we'd come on the way back. If we were going west coast to the Midwest, we'd go on the way out, um, visit the shop. Sometimes I'd do some demo videos, hang out, um, comp everybody tickets to the show, hang out. And uh, that was that was sort of me getting a little bit closer, especially with Joey uh, and, and then some things happened and I was ready to get out of Arizona and this was just it was I, I consider myself we did in addition to
0: another accordion player
3: <laughs> my fiance who also uh, works here as well happened to be here and so she's not related to you guys No. Nope. okay where well, we're Jamie like, Mashler Jamie Mashler been
0: with us for a few years hmm yeah.
3: yeah Jamie Mashler accordion accordion virtuoso and teacher to the stars I like to say <laughs> um. Are you calling yourself a star? Uh well, not me. No. Ja- J- J- Jamie teaches, she teaches a lot. She teaches him other things. Not not according. That's right. we, <laughs> exactly. I won't I won't say too much, you know. Um Yeah, it was just it worked out. It somehow I found myself here. I don't I didn't expect to find myself here and I'm really glad to be here. It's amazing. So
2: have having asked you, do you play? Not actively. No. I mean, I I've played since I was a child, of course, and for many years. Uh, um, did you play
1: did you ever were you ever a weekend warrior musician?
2: No, no, that wasn't quite, I mean, if you don't count the, you know, uh, grandma's social club events <laughs> yeah. or, uh, you know. Did you ever get paid being a weekend warrior musician? No, I mean, I had, your had a few paying gigs as a kid, you mm-hmm. know, just kind of fun stuff, but no, I mean, I, I'm I more like my great grandpa where I, I've ever since I was a kid, I started playing, but ever since then I was always interested since I spent, so much time at the shop, you know, mm-hmm. from four years old on uh, in, into the inner workings of how the heck these things function. So I'm, I'm more interested in the engineering aspect of well, it. So, see,
1: one of those kids, you know, we've all heard stories about, you know, little, we'll call him Timmy again. <laughs> little Timmy takes apart dad's television set, and, you know, dad comes home and the well, TVs are dangerous, but you get the idea. The toaster's on the living room floor in a, a hot 50 parts. Did he ever take an accordion apart?
2: He washed a lot. He washed a lot? Yeah. 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 How old were you when you first started working on them? Oh, I mean, five. I mean, my, my mentor, I'd say, was... Um, I mean, he worked our, with my dad. And my grandpa and, and our uh, our family friend, and, I mean, right-hand man, Julio. Um,
1: what were you doing at five to uh, work on an accordion?
2: Sitting on the bench, just watching, and handing tools over to whoever asked, and uh, just being, honestly, just viewing. and so takes, when, t- you, soaking when it all you, in.
1: you, how old were you when you first, started, you know, I don't care what it is per se, but like you started working on an accordion without like handing tools to grandpa or mm-hmm. dad, you did something.
2: I would have, I mean, I would be the side job guy, right? So I, I would, you know, here, here, cut this felt to the size and this and that, you know, that was 10, 11 years old. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, it, I didn't get serious as far as, you know, being here full time until I was, you know, 22 out of college. Okay. Where'd you go to school? UW. Okay. Yeah. Where'd you go? what would you major in? Uh, the old uh, media and communications. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. That's applicable. Yeah, yeah. It was the easiest degree. <laughs> <laughs> <I think laughs> <we> like. hey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. I and mean, then I played. You know, I I played. I was an athlete. Uh, very interested in the athletics as a kid. Uh, what, you, what, so what sport? Oh, baseball, basketball, football, golf. But baseball was my primary sport. So, uh, did um, you play for UW? No, I played at in college, junior college in Arizona, um, yeah. but my 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 uh, which one? Just out South Mountain Community okay. College, yeah. Um, So my, but my in whole athletic career was plagued by you know injuries, so injuries. I've I've had numerous torn knees and elbows and shoulders. So okay, feeling a little old. Accordion is maybe something I should have stuck with at an earlier age. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> you have a bad back. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> so, but has been in business for a hundred years.
0: Literally,
1: what's next? Uh, that's a question for Joey.
2: <laughs>
1: what's next? What what is what does the future look like for you for this for this instrument in the industry?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the evolution has started already. Um, I think we're six or seven years into that evolution that I think will maintain itself for a while that will continue to evolve. Um, And I think that looks like, you know, a much, much wider access to consumers around the world. Um, You know, the whole word of mouth thing was something that, you know, kept our business going for 60, 70, 80 years. and since the internet, you know, we, when I came aboard, I mean, we had a, uh, what was it, 2000, you know, 10, we had a website that looked like it was from 1995. Um, it was from 1995. It was actually, yeah. <laughs> Did you, build <laughs> No, we hired
0: somebody from 1995. Yeah. <laughs>
2: so, you know, we were surviving that way. Um, and, you know, I, of course. It was, a, to me, it was just a fad. It was going to be, it was going to end and, you know, yeah. go, go away. it wasn't going to last. Nobody's gonna buy anything off the internet. <laughs> Nobody's gonna
0: buy
3: it. exactly.
2: <laughs> so yeah, I mean, believe it or not, I actually learned some things in college, and I, I applied those to our business once I got out of college. And a lot of that was media communications based stuff. You know, uh, So what are you
1: doing? What are you doing in modern communication styles? That, yeah. So you guys had a 1995 website. Before that, newspaper ads, magazine ads, word of mouth, oh, were, Right. Okay. So what are you doing now? What's what's how are you getting the word out about because I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I would buy a twelve to thirty thousand dollar accordion off the internet, yeah, off your Shopify page. Yeah. I just don't know that I would. No,
2: I. I but it still surprises us. But obviously, then people are okay, cool. Mm-hmm. But what are you doing to broaden the awareness of the brand? It, advertising is one of my least favorite things to do. I don't. I, I prefer to let the instrument and what we do here speak for itself, and let the advertising come from those that you know, those happy customers out there mm-hmm. that are going, you know, in their to their friends or going online and talking about their experience. That's mm-hmm. that's our, our favorite form of advertising. Well,
1: just like when I talked to Toby in an episode previously, right? I mm-hmm. and he unsolicited you know, and gave you guys a plug. Yeah, you know, I yeah. I think he said he had to come up here for something in the near future, but mm-hmm. he was you know gushing about you guys. Renee talked. Talk talks about his dad playing your instrument, you know, 40, 50 years ago. You, you can't do better than, than word of mouth. Yeah. But you need more mouth. Well, you you need, do. I mean, there's, there's a lot more mouth, you mouths. Know,
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it never hurts. But at the same time, I mean, we don't we don't spend too much time advertising because we can't we couldn't be busier even if we wanted to. So, okay. I mean, we're at capacity um, for the most part. Our interest now is, you know, is presenting our products in a better, more you know, refined way to our customers to allow them to better, you know, click a button and order an accordion without seeing it. Or, you know, we prefer to talk to them, but Mm -hmm. we can't help that sometimes people just use what's there on our website and they they look at our reputation in many different arenas. Um, and feel comfortable enough, you know, ordering something online. And of course we have, you know, plenty of, of policies that make that more feasible and more comfortable, which, you know, we have ordering according accordion online, you have a 10 day trial period to make sure you love it. I and mean, when we trust our products so much that we'll send something to somebody on our own dime and, and trust that they're going to love it so much, they're not going to send it back, but they always have that option. Yeah. I want
1: to ask a question. So this shelf over here, you guys help me out. The uh, not the top shelf, but the one with the two black units that I can't really see, mm-hmm. Are those both? A, are those AM eleven hundreds? No. No. There's only one eleven hundred. So, right. if if you were to randomly go over there and pick up two a eleven hundreds, would they? So um, the question I'm asking is, how different is each instrument? Are, are they? Because like, if you look at guitars, you know this Telecaster weighs four point seven pounds. This one weighs four point ten. Yeah. So and so somebody would claim that this one plays differently than that one. So. Fresh from the factory, good condition. Do they? Is there a real noticeable difference in the instrument? Like if I were to buy one online, and you were to package it up and ship it to me, would it play much differently than the one you didn't package up and ship it to me? Yes, yes, and no. Uh, I mean, let let me
2: because I go
0: back a little (laughs) bit further than that. Is the instruments are made in essence identical, right? Mm -hmm. But yet each one has its own personality. The wood, the grain
1: in each, yeah. Yes,
0: but. More importantly, that personality really doesn't develop until it's played. Mm-hmm. And so if you found somebody that came in, which we have, they if we have two or three instruments today, they want, they do want to try them and play them because they think there is something different. That can be psychological. Mm-hmm. It could be something that you just you can't explain. But 10 years from now, bring the same three instruments
1: back. They're completely different. And it's, let's just assume that they're all been treated equally. Not one. One hasn't been left in the trunk of my car. Right. They've all been treated equally. Right. You'll if you sat down and played all three of them, you will find a, a noticeable
0: any a, a a decent accordion player or a, a, somebody that's been around accordion can tell the difference between
1: those three instruments. There is a difference. So so if you just randomly pick two of the same model off the shelf, they're going to weigh the same within a, no? within ounces within ounces. So very close. So there's really not a noticeable difference until. They've been broken in, if you're correct.
3: Okay,
2: and that becomes more severe. That difference, you know, ten, twenty years down the road, depending on the environment, of course, in which it's been played, and you know who's playing it, and what type of attack do they have, and you know so on and so forth.
1: So you you're you're at capacity, but you want to present things in a more, um, I don't know what what's the right word virtual way, I'd say virtual. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you know,
0: one thing is, is, I I I look at this as an outside. I always want to look at my our website and how and how. How do I view that as a non-web, you know, non-online purchaser? in My whole life, I've never dealt with it much, but... Because it's fat. Right. It's, gonna, <laughs> it's not going to stick around. <laughs> and, you know, our whole history has always been, and, you know, Gabe's learned this, my son's learned this, I learned this. It's about education. It's about informing customers, yeah. about educating customers, about the instrument and the differences and... You know, what makes ours different than anybody else's? That's kind of the point. And I look at all these other people selling accordions on, you know, you can buy them online. Nobody else shows you the inside of what they're selling. They just here's the picture of it or here's the video and you, I mean, see, you just it, see you just see it that's that's, that's, that's all it. I see. That's all you see and you get to hear it on a video of some sort. Uh, but nobody like, our intention is to go in and provide all this critical information about what goes inside the instrument and then physically show it on the inside. Um, I think that makes sense. And then, you're like you are saying, uh, who would buy a 17000 $20,000 instrument on the Internet? Well, if you can legitimately see how it's made inside and yeah. read about it and then go out and, let's say, go to another website to compare that with somebody else's, what they're selling for half the price, mm-hmm. I can tell you, you would... If you're in, if you honestly are interested in quality mm-hmm. and price isn't the issue, you're going to buy the better instrument, and it's 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 already proven to you. It's already we have the reputation.
1: When did you sell your first accordion online to somebody that hadn't been? in you like, what's this order to to Chicago? I mean,
2: who who's Bill Smith? That was probably one of our first website evolutions which, which would have been back in 2014 maybe 13 somewhere in yeah. there um you know i mean it certainly took took a few years to get some legs right, as but far as but what was that like here i mean i'd be i mean seriously i was totally i fell over we would yeah, we I mean, would we would call i, mean, said, I told you so yeah. and i just like okay this isn't gonna <laughs> to happen my mind would
1: be like it's a scam yeah I'd make sure the money clears
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: there was a lot of that up front yeah and it was you know dad i called him at night you see that order we just got online can you believe it you know like you know this is for an accordion strap or something you know a hat or something you know and you're like no he sold it We sold it. an accordion yeah Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, these days, I mean, I mean, the majority of our business is not necessarily never speaking to the customer first, but certainly the majority of our business is online, is purchasing purchases from our website. And in my
0: era and my dad's era, I remember, I mean, my dad typed between my dad and I, we typed probably six or seven letters a day (laughs) and mail them. That's how we communicate it because we receive three, four, five, six letters a day inquiring about our instruments and then we would send out a whole publication like this almost a quarter inch thick of testimonial letters pictures photos information about the instrument so we just wouldn't reply to as a letter which we wouldn't include but it was all this product information and educational information
1: in 2022 how many people walk through that door unsolicited and buy an accordion does right. that happen very often
2: Oh, on a weekly basis. A couple, couple a week, yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, At some least. Saturdays, Fridays, three or four accordions go out of here in one day. And that's on a weekly basis.
1: Now, are those those consumers that are walking in the door, what are they buying? Are they buying one of the other brands? What What's the...
2: A lot is, I mean, there's, there's kind of a multitude. I mean, there's, you know, people just beginning and mm-hmm. they want information. And of course, you know, um, all, all business motives aside. I mean, our goal to is to educate people. The more sure, yeah. educated people are, the more they're going to be interested called? in our products. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then of course there's those from out of town who we've maybe never spoken to. They're, they're a, coming through town. destination yeah. form. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That, all right. Yeah. um, And there's people that we see after we haven't talked to them in 20 or 30 years. And, you know, maybe now they're retired and they have more time and they're coming in to, you know, get something more efficient, lighter weight, smaller, whatever the case is.
1: So I think your dad might have taken this call before we hit record. Do you get many calls from people saying, hey, I have this accordion.
2: Do You guys want to buy it? Oh gosh. Yeah. We get that one a lot. Um, Yeah. Patience is key on that one. So we, you know, we answer that question, you know, half a dozen times a day. Um, And it's, you know, usually a two minute phone call where it's absolutely, we'd love to help you out. We can have you in for a free appraisal and we give you all the information you want to have. But you know, there's, there's a lot of times where there's some stubborn folks on the end of the end. So can you just tell me what my accordion's worth without seeing it? And the answer is always no. (laughs) right so has
1: anybody ever called you and said hey i have an accordion i think it's in really good shape blah 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 because like i told you before we hit record i used to to sell stuff for tacoma goodwill yeah and we'd get all these accordions and they were just we get excited but then you open them up and then you you after you're done retching you just want to dump it in the dumpster because it's so bad they're just foul yeah but has anyone ever said hey i have this because so my attitude would be like yeah right it's really nice Mm -hmm." so but has anyone ever said hey we i've got this really nice accordion it was you know my dad's or my grandfather's or my mom's or whatever and they bring it in you go oh wow this is
2: really really cool Mm -hmm that's one percent probably yeah they're not one high. out of that 100. high yeah yeah that high <laughs> that's actually surprising
1: too. so have any of these museum pieces is that to that is that how they came in any of those by chance
2: a lot of those have some history with you know uh friends and family or whomever over the years that you know had a connection with our business or just a connection with you know one company or another that you know just out of the kindness of their own heart thought this was the best place to you know sentimentally display their yeah. their, their piece of history um okay. so you know a lot of those have be come from a lot of you know eclectic um, stories, over, yeah, a lot of stories there. So yeah, have for names sure. on them too. You can see. Yeah, yeah, that's we've cool. tried to document
1: who's given so them. I'm pictures. looking, so I'm looking around the room, and they're all sitting here, and, and they look. I'm, I'm kind of torn. Some of them look like typewriters to me, mm-hmm. like, and then some of them like this one silver one, or not the gray one above the door, looks like a cash register. There you go. I don't know why. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. Well. So when you're not, so
2: you guys, when you're not doing the thing that you do here, Joe, do you drink coffee? I do drink a little bit in the morning, yeah. So, only in the morning, just in the morning. Yeah, do, you, do you drink coffee?
1: Morning, just. <laughs> All right. So, where's a great place to get coffee around here? Don't say you're carrying machine behind you, but where's a great place in the Linwood area to get coffee?
2: <sighs> Whew. We never. We only serve ourselves this crappy Keurig here. Um are <laughs> a good question. Sen- Senior's the real coffee connoisseurs. So okay. So a- when you're not. So when you're not working, what do you do for fun and Uh Well, I got two kids, uh, two and an eight-year-old, and she so have all they. The time in the yeah, they, <laughs> they, <laughs> they take up about a hundred percent of the rest of the time that I have. So. Mm-hmm. What um, are they into? That my daughter eight, she plays accordion. She's been doing that. She's actually taking lessons with Jamie Gabe's Gabe's spouse. Um, and she started about six, seven months ago and she's just loving it. Yeah. She's, so she's, she's really into music. Um, once again, reinforcing the cult. Yeah. Well, believe it or not, she came to that one on her own, actually. Um, unlike myself, uh, she she wasn't, you know, even forced nor really strongly encouraged. Were you you strongly encouraged? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that might be part of the reason I went and played so many sports was because you know it's it's just, instead of practicing two hours a day in the office i got go to kick go a, kick a ball yeah go outside throw a little ball. bit okay.
1: yeah okay. how about you what do you do when you're not doing this
3: i'm an accordion teacher so i have a studio um jamie my fiance and i we both teach um probably have somewhere around 40 students collectively um teach a lot online teach a lot in person so how do you okay
1: music music
3: lessons online mm-hmm. zoom yeah yeah,
1: Are you finding your students, is it's it easier for you as a teacher?
3: Sometimes, you know, some ways it is. Uh, uh, they don't have to like, I don't have to clean my office when they when they come to the <laughs> lesson. <laughs> I
1: thought you were going to say I don't have to wear
2: pants. I don't have to take a shower. Um,
3: it, it's, I think everybody, you know, having to, if, you, if you're a music teacher in the last couple of years, we all know how things went and in order to survive we all kind of had to move to some level of of online teaching and i think everybody was surprised at how well it worked out Mm -hmm. there's there's nothing like being in person with somebody you know in the same studio playing together in person that's always going to be the best thing doesn't matter you know who you are but the online thing is very convenient. I mean, I have students all over the country. I say,
1: like, you, you, you could have a student from Mesa, Arizona who wouldn't be your student. Oh, if yeah. It was in
3: person only. So I, have, I have students in, in Philadelphia. I have students in North Carolina. I have a student in Colorado. I have students in Arizona. I have students in Oregon. Um, I have students in the Midwest. Um, and I have students in town who surprisingly would prefer to do Zoom because it's just traffic and driving so it's easier for them too in a lot of ways okay
1: as we wrap this up the question i always end these shows with is what didn't i ask you that i should have one thing i didn't bring Bring up is you guys have a book why don't you tell us a little bit Mm, about the book yeah and then
2: so that's been uh my dad's passion project over the last year and a half um you know we we were coming up on our hundred year anniversary and Trying to find a way to honor that, and you know, had ideas. You know, and we had some grand ideas that were you know an actual physical event. And then you know, of course, COVID happened, so that threw a wrench into things. And we didn't know you know, come a hundred years, what it was going to look like. So the book kind of took on its a life of its own, really. Um, and it it started with kind of a uh, just my dad's friend showed him a book that he had done for for his own needs and realized wow this is actually feasible um and you know just w- what what better could we do than take the 100 years of knowledge and experience and um and people really i mean the book is really about the people um less about our company and and the accordion it's really it's it's most about the people that that helped get us to where we are today um, and so, yeah, the book is it's called an American accordion story, um, a four generation family legacy, honoring the accordion, the musicians and their unique place in American culture. So that kind of says it all. I mean, um, that's, that's been a really hot piece of, uh, merchandise for us this last, uh, four months that just got published, uh, not, not too long ago. So nice. who's on the cover?
1: There's a bunch of musicians here, but who, who and what instruments are on the cover?
2: Like one guy sitting here is on the cover. Um, Dad, why don't you explain that one since you're... Oh
1: let's just go. Uh,
0: we got Troy Kennett. He's the uh, keyboard recordingist for John Mellencamp.
3: Playing a little He's pro.
0: playing a little pro. Next is our own Gabe Hall Rodriguez playing an AM 1100. Yo, yo. Um, next is uh, customer, a customer player. Willow. Willow Certain. Um, my grandfather's pictured in the middle. We have Bruce Sunpie Barnes. Um, he's from New Orleans playing a, he's a Cajun Zydeco, uh, playing 1100. Uh, we have Jamie Mashler in her costume. <laughs> Plana Legera. Plana Legera and Chris Novoselic of Nirvana playing an Artista. And these were, uh, you know, just understand that the pictures that were, these weren't choices we made. Um, we, in fact, all the. The photos in the book we gave the publisher a thousand photos um, and wanted them to come up with not just what but what would better what photos would better tell the story not what we don't want to choose a particular person mm-hmm. we would be skewed that way we want what picture would tell the story better okay and so the whole cover is based off of that and the photos and what
1: tells the story especially about today's
0: modern accordion era Okay.
1: So, so I asked these guys when well, you stepped away, what do you do when you're not doing Potosa
0: coordinates? What's fun and exciting for you these days? I'm home um, answering emails. <clears throat> okay, I'm golfing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, where's where where a great golf course around here?
0: Uh, well, we've I, kids all grew up in Mill Creek, Washington, so mm-hmm. I belong to the Mill Creek Country Club. Okay. Where's the best
1: place in Washington you've golfed?
0: Oh. Uh, Well, I've had the opportunity to play some good courses, Seattle Golf Course, uh, Aldera, um, and, of course, Chambers Bay. Okay. Where haven't you played you want to try? Augusta.
1: Okay. All right. So the last question is, what didn't I ask you guys that I should have asked
3: you? What's our What's our Instagram handle? We'll get to all the promotional stuff. I promise. Sorry, yes,
1: yes, yes. But what What didn't we cover that we should We could have covered because this could go on and on because there's seven thousand pieces in the recording. We, this This conversation right. could go on for a long, long time.
0: Hmm. So, is the internet still a fad? I guess it's going to be around a while. I'll stick with it. Okay. Have you bought golf I've, clubs uh, online? I've, no,
2: I, but I do. I do a little more shopping online than I'm. Do yeah. yeah. I've had to hold his it's hand on that easy. one. Uh, <laughs> I, I still thing? process his Amazon returns for him. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I go back to the store and give it back and ship it because I don't. <laughs> Um, I haven't. I wish Amazon
1: delivered in you know real time with, with these microphones yesterday. Do you know how hard it is to buy anything in real in person now yeah. and you need it immediately? Here's right. a good question.
0: So you, I don't know if you noticed the cartoon on the wall.
1: I did not know the Far Side. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: so you didn't bring that up. Most everybody does. Uh, so that's a well-known Far Side publication where you have uh, heaven and. The angels handing out harps, and they say, "Welcome to heaven." Mm-hmm. And then the lower section is hell with fire, and there's the devil handing out accordions, and he said, "Welcome to he- hell." So, do if you, you ever met Mr. Larson. Did so you? that is a that actual one is the actual original pencil drawn by Gary Larson. It's signed with apologies. Um, <laughs> Gary <laughs> and our family have been friends since he started being a customer of ours back in the seventies. As a musician, now not an accordion player, right? But uh, he was a musician in town and uh, did a duo for many, many years, and so became a music a music customer of ours. So you guys inspired. In you, basically, you inspired it. Uh, <laughs> he, that was probably a little bit why the apology. Yeah, but, but yeah. it is funny. Yeah.
1: Okay.
3: Uh, what you didn't ask us what our favorite accordion joke is. I mean, that's oh. always, a, that's a classic. Is accordion?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: that is the joke. That, that's the best joke I've heard. <laughs> I don't have one actually, but
2: don't leave your accordion in the car. You might end up with uh, two more after a break in. No, I, I, the, I like the best one where it's the guys playing his accordion on New Year's Eve.
0: And, uh, he gets done, and the owner says, "You know, hey," he says, "I'd love to have you back next year." And he goes, "Okay, can I leave my accordion here?" <laughs> <laughs> there,
3: there's got to be a book made of just accordion oh, jokes. Pretty, it's in the book. Don't
1: don't <laughs> leave one in your car; you'll get two. okay. Oh, that's all right. So, where can people find well Joey's work? I mean, on the internet, right? So that's all Joey. All Joey. So, where where can people find out more about about what you're doing? about the instrument and all of that.
2: Yeah. patoza.com is really our most dynamic space for, you know, information, education, um, and of course, product listings. Um, we do you know, a little on Facebook. Uh, the book's a great hard, you know, piece of hard uh, machinery you can take home with you. Um,
0: could you. Scott, could you say like, it's a nice coffee table? Like Oh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful book. Say I mean, beautiful yeah, absolutely. When I
1: was thumbing through it, I was, where did you, well, I mean, let's talk about publishing the book. I mean, um Well, let's talk. Let's back up. We're going to start. This is where I warned you. This is I warned you to go yeah. off the rails. So, you wanted to do a book. Super easy process, huh?
0: <laughs> yeah, not so much, but right. <laughs> really hard. Especially when you don't have no, any, no, no experience whatsoever. Right. But we had a good group of people,
1: and we, how long we hired it, the best. How long did it take you from when you decided you're going to do a book? So actually, you know, you got, oh, I'll do it yeah. one of these days. No, now you're going to sit down and whether it was at the computer or yeah. handwritten notes or whatever you're starting, how long from start to finish? By the time they put a year and a half. Okay. So you got a year and a half of your... And that was, yeah, that was a
0: weekly, hourly, okay. daily.
1: Okay. Are you happy with it?
0: I'm thrilled with it. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. It could, be, I'm sure if you look on page 42, you wish there was something maybe a little different, maybe our
0: publisher said you will never you will always right. find something no matter how many right but you're you're, you go you're through, thrilled but, with this yeah yeah and i'm thrilled with the. i you know again our aspirations of always thinking quality i'm just thrilled with the actual quality mm-hmm. of being a hardbound and the paper i mean just and the, the quality of the photos Well, what t-
1: what i what i noticed immediately was the the f- photography was phenomenal yeah so you did you guys do all the photos
0: most of everything that's in the book is from our our archives, from our yeah, history. See, yeah, that my dad
1: saved. Okay. Nicely done. Yeah. Thank you. And you're going to do another one?
0: No. No? <laughs> what
1: are you going to do next? What would you do? What would be your big... 200th another... year anniversary? Hmm? Uh, two, and our 200th, two hundred. What
0: would we do? I don't know. That's going to be up to... 150 uh, is a good one. I'll though. let to, you know. 150. Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: but what... What would you like to see next? What would you like to do? What do you do on a daily basis? What what makes you smile in this business?
0: You know, I, I just think that just the oh, gain of the popularity of the instrument. And You know, the whole, what's very interesting, like you even mentioned, like when I told you how many accordions were sold in this country and where that accordion was at one time in the U.S. history, you had no idea.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love talking about that because it always shocks everybody. They just... they. Unless you were involved, you have no idea the success of this instrument in this country, in this country alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of like, I I, I just I want to see young people read this book and learn a little bit more about the, the history of it. They think it's a cool instrument, but it's like it has a history that I don't think any other instrument has in this country.
1: Okay. You said something earlier, and I want to frame it over to you. Your teachers, when you, when you first picked up the accordion, you came from a jazz background, and you said all these, and I'm paraphrasing, but all these older players kind of flocked around you to, like, encourage you to, because, okay. But earlier, you said that accordion teachers didn't like rock and roll, so they wanted the kids to learn, you know, let's say polka music yeah. or whatever. Did you experience that from the older generation encouraging you to play? Were they trying to get you to play Uh-oh. more traditional or?
3: Yes yeah I think that's the general vibe I mean that's the one um I think that's that's why we're losing cult members that's right (laughs) it's it's just a product of of just it is what it is like people this this accordion culture that these that these older generations come from was very strong Mm -hmm. there was schools everywhere and it was like this it was like a very strong cult community and they had a certain thing that they were used to hearing, that they wanted to hear. And uh, although nobody discouraged me in general from playing whatever music, they probably would have liked it if I played a few more polkas. But I was fortunate to have a good teacher who basically was, was, was interested in showing me other things besides um, like folk music and stuff.
1: Is there a genre
3: of music that the accordion should not be part of? No, no. It can go anywhere. Okay. I mean, it's, it's this instrument that's been brought all over the world. It's so, it's so versatile in, its, in the sounds that it's able to create. Um, you know, the piano, it's a lovely instrument. You really only get more or less like one type of sound out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, The guitar, sure, you could get a bunch of pedals and you can change it. Um, The organ, you can change the sounds, but it's gigantic. Um, So it's this instrument that has so much flexibility. And there's such a variety of styles of accordion-like instruments, Um, whether that's the concertina or the bandoneon or the chromatic free bass or the... the, um, or the diatonic accordion. It's like one of our, one of our friends and, in, in, uh, local accordionist Corey Tiedemann, he always likes to say that the accordion is one of the most hot rotted instruments, because like throughout its history, it's gotten things added, things taken away, that shape has changed. And it's all about fitting the culture and the music of wherever it is.
1: Okay. As we wrap this up once again, Joy, where can people find out about
2: your P- website? Are you on? Potosa.com. Pretty simple. You, um, what social media platforms? Facebook, Instagram. We're really basic on that front. but okay. yeah. Getting better, though. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, When, when there's enough no. time in the day, we'll we get to? And jump onto, like, TikTok and do 30-second videos of... <sighs> Wait no. for the fifth generation, no. maybe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think
2: that's a fad, maybe. But no. 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 no TikTok. <laughs>
1: all right well thank you guys this has been a lot of fun for me I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me today thanks for having us Scott thank you thank you I appreciate it join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast